Welcome to the Inside Out Life, the podcast where we strive for inward reformation that inspires outward transformation in every area, marriage, family, faith, and life. I'm your host, author, and pastor, Chris Schimmel. I'd like to talk with you in this podcast about something that I have found to be one of the most healing medicines that has ever existed, one that is available to everyone and one that is free of charge. And sadly, it is ignored largely because of fear and ignorance. And that is meaningful conversations. So some time ago, in one church that, um, that I pastored, uh, we had an indoor picnic. And uh, after one of our uh, uh, times of fellowshipping and so forth, a question was posed. Uh, if you could interview God, what would you ask him and why? Well, <laughs> kind of a non-threatening question, wouldn't you say? Um, there were a, a few who answered but largely the response was blank stares. You know, people looking away and, and shifting in their seats. And uh, frankly, that isn't unusual. It happens just about everywhere. When put on the spot, uh, some people, you know, may have bind freeze and, and they may not have an answer uh, right away, but uh, people are awkward, honestly. Um, uh, and, and they're 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 not prone to talking about intimate, personal, and internal things. And I found that issues of faith certainly fall into this category. But there are a lot more intimate concerns that people are even more afraid to talk about. And what's interesting about this is God in his word, is constantly trying to get his sheep spilling their guts about their stuff. He wants us to confess our sins to one another. It tells us in 1 John. And he wants us to share our faults with one another. It tells us in James. And he wants us to admonish one another and exhort one another and edify one another, and encourage one another. And he wants us to bear one another's burdens. And none of these are even possible without sharing our stuff at a pretty deep soul-bearing level. So why do we have this huge disconnect between what God wants us to do and what we want to do? And when I, I want to talk to you about this by trying to answer a couple of questions. The first one is a simple question, and it's just, why might people be afraid to share their stuff? And I think there are two major reasons for this. The first is the fear of being vulnerable. It's, it's, it's one of the traits of our dysfunctional age. From early ages, children are taught from experience, not instruction, 
but experience. If you bare your heart, it might just get stomped on, smashed all over the floor. And so, with many in our world today, they, they have learned to just be tough, you know, and resilient and, and non-disclosing and cold. It's a much safer posture than vulnerability. Some time ago, a 60-something-year-old man sat across from me in my office and just cried because his mother, not his father, but his mother, had never hugged him. She had never given him any affection, not even once. And, and, and she had never told him that she loved him. And I, I asked him if he had ever shared that with anyone before, and he said, no. And I asked him, why? He said, well, I guess I was just afraid. Now, this man had been to clinics and he had been to counselors. And he had been in with accountability people in his church and his pastor. And still, he never told them this soul-bearing information. Further delving revealed that he never felt that there was a safe enough place for him to be that vulnerable. And we want to blame the environments and the counselors and the churches and the pastors for no safety to share. But I would submit to you that he wasn't afraid to share because there was no safe place. He was afraid to share because he wrongly perceived there was no safe place to share. And it stems from a deep fear that's in a whole lot of, of people, and that is a fear of vulnerability. How do I know this? <laughs> well, because the number of others that I have talked to over the years who have had similar feelings and fears is off the charts. And I found that they don't just learn it from their mothers and their fathers and their, their own upbringings at home, they learn it, and they have had it reinforced from others in our world who have had those same kinds of home environments and upbringings, and it just perpetuates itself. And consequently, we live in a world where we have learned to, well, just freeze each other out. And sadly, some of the coldest communication freeze-outs occur in churches where the atmosphere of legalism and judgmentalism actually fosters and adds to a fear of being vulnerable. And so people today don't talk about intimate feelings and things related to vulnerability. They talk about sports and they talk about Politics, a lot of talking about politics these days and not, not so good conversations take place. And they talk about technology and they talk about movies and they talk about things that don't delve too deeply into the heart and the soul because clearly there is a fear in our world of being vulnerable. But we have to push through and we have to share.
But I think there's another reason that people in our world are unwilling to share intimate and personal things. And it has to do with wrong cultural assumptions. And I think that the wrong assumption right at the top of the list is this. Strong people don't share intimate and personal things. Hmm. Tough people, superior people, smart people, together people don't share those kinds of things because they don't need to. They're strong. And needing to share these kinds of things reflects weakness. So let me read a scripture for you out of John chapter 2 and verse 15 through 17. Just listen carefully. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, the term worldly um, sounds very old school Christian and it has a stigma of judgmentalism and uh, you know, a condescending kind of a feel to it, but it's not. This term, world or worldly, simply means thoughts and practices that come from human reasoning that do not have a divine and scriptural foundation. They're human inventions, excuse me, inventions, human ideas. And that is the source of this way of thinking, that strong people don't share intimate personal things. It's a human idea, not a divine idea. So which of these three descriptions from this scripture of worldliness, verse 16, do you think relates mostly to this reasoning? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life? And I think probably you know it's the pride of life. Yes, it's pride that is behind this cultural assumption. Pride is the enemy of humility, and it is what makes it wrong. It's, and it's interesting that this wrong assumption has become such an epidemic in our society and in our world. It has reached the, sta the status of being cultural. It's not local or citywide or even ethnic. It's culture, cultural, and it's a wrong assumption. Strong and together people do share intimate and personal things. It's what makes them strong and together. But the inability to share intimate and personal things and feelings is a sign of weakness in God's eyes. So my second question is, why might God want us to share our stuff with each other? Why? Well, um, the first reason or answer is he wants us healed. 
It's why James boldly challenges, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So a long time ago, uh, my wife and I together decided that we really weren't big fans of most of the typical kinds of get-togethers that most people have, even families, even churches. You know, just to chew the fat or talk about sports or watch a football game or, or, or a movie or play a game. We began to find that when we went away from a good number of those events, we went away kind of empty and flat rather than full and overflowing. Now, don't misunderstand me. Uh, both my wife and I are really regular people, and we can have a, a good time uh, just being ourselves wherever we are. Anyone who knows us knows that this is true. And this isn't a put-down of the, of the spirituality of others. I'm just trying to describe what meaningful conversation has done to us. It has spoiled us a little for other kinds of communication. We have both discovered so much spiritual health and wholeness for ourselves in our marriage and for others we lead and have a relationship with when we are able to delve deep and share meaningful. It's where we want to be as often as we can. It's why you will always see uh, both my wife and I, in whatever setting we're in, trying to stretch those that we are with to talk deeper and to come out of their relational and conversational comfort zones because we know that in deep honesty and more personal self-disclosure, there is healing and wholeness. In all these excuses that we have for not sharing, you know, there, there, there's no one I can trust, and it's, it's, it's no one's business, and, and people will blab if I share, and, and I don't want to appear weak, and strong people don't share, and so forth. They're all just lies from the enemy intended to keep us emotionally ill and spiritually unwhole. You may be wondering why I have included this particular subject in my podcast, um, The Inside Out Life. Well, it's because my second answer to the question, why might God want us to share our stuff, is if we can begin to share deeply from the inside out, we will flourish relationally. Honestly, people just can't talk. They don't trust anyone. They're afraid that people will tell the world about their issues or they feel guilty uh, and, they, and they don't want anyone to know how bad they are, how bad they were, or, or, how, or what bad thing that they've done. Or they don't want to admit failure because they feel it will somehow come back to bite them. Or they don't want to be judged or, or rejected or misunderstood. But whatever the reason, people don't talk. The result is relationships all over our world are suffering at astronomical levels. And I want to say that there is something dark 
and dangerous about people who aren't able or willing to bear their hearts. The greatest percentage of marital, marital breakups occur because couples can't talk at a level much deeper than a thimble. And in 10 years, or even 5 years, or sometimes just 2 years of being together 24-7, they are complete strangers with so little trust of each other that they interpret every gesture or word coming from their spouse as an attack of some kind. And it's all because they can't talk. And friendships, friendship relationships go south for the same reason. Some relationships just die because of, of relational, conversational starvation. Or a, a rift happens and no one knows how to talk about it. So the friendship just, just well, it just gets scratched. My, my advice would be, don't leave the relationship. Instead, learn how to deepen it with meaningful, life-giving and spiritual conversation. And to start with, it might be a little awkward. But if we want to have vital, life-giving, flourishing relationships with other people, marriage or otherwise, we need to set aside the pretentiousness that we have or the awkwardness that we have with people and begin to engage one another at a whole lot deeper level than we have in the past. So I'll finish with this. I give most couples that I marry this illustration in premarital counseling if I'm the one who counsels them personally. Or um, often I will share it in a, in a wedding uh, sermon or uh, homily. And I'm going to give it to you now. So in our first church, friends gave us a wooden porch swing that they had made for us. We put it up on our porch. And mornings before I went to church to work and evenings when I would come home, Shirley and I would sit at it or on it <laughs> and talk and talk and talk. Sometimes we'd talk about our schedules. Sometimes we'd talk about church. Sometimes we talk about family. Sometimes we would talk about our relationship, and other times we would just talk about stuff. Sometimes we'd laugh. <laughs> sometimes we'd cry. Sometimes we'd fight. <laughs> and sometimes when we were in Southern California, we would talk far into the night when it was warmer, and we'd talk about failures and mistakes and blessings and disappointments and struggles and pain. In this swing was where we talked about a depression that I had entered into as a result of a kind of a midlife crisis that I was going through. And it's where we, we talked about a church split that had happened where we were pastoring and a thousand other concerns. When we left that church, we took that swing down and we put it on the porch of our new house. And at every new place, it received a, a new layer of paint to match the color of the house. And there we would talk 
and talk and talk again. And in no uncertain terms, it has become the glue that has held our marriage together. And I tell couples, find your porch swing. It may be a rock on a hillside or a log that you sit on near a stream or a path that you walk near your home. But whatever it is, find it. And the premise is true of any relationship, not just marriage. We as humans need deep and meaningful communication or we will live our whole lives as shallow as a glass Petri dish and 10 times as breakable.